Okay, Boker Tov, we're on Daf Tess Amid Aleph. We're discussing the fact that the Jews celebrated the inauguration of the Beis Amikdash in Shlomo's time. They celebrated on Yom Kippur. And they ate and drank on Yom Kippur. So yesterday we discussed how the Jews were worried. And they said, perhaps we're going to get punished for this. So a heavenly voice came out and said, don't worry, you're all destined for the world to come. So that's the synopsis of the story. Now the Gemara goes into great detail. And obviously, Shlomo HaMelech had to go to the Bezdin and get permission for this. He couldn't just do it on his own. So in other words, what happened was, Shlomo goes to the Bezdin. He says, this is the situation. What do you say we do? And they paskined that they could celebrate. Now the Jews see the celebration, they're gonna listen, but they're worried. The voice of heaven corroborated what the Bezdin ruled. So now what we wanna discuss is my Darush. What was the drusha that the rabbis made? What was the logic to make that decision? And they said a very interesting Kalva Homer in this logic. Amru Kalva They made an A4 argument. Let's go back to the Mishkan. Remember, the only you have to go with precedent. The only thing that compared at all to this was the inauguration of the Mishkan. That was also a very festive day, and that was a day that Hashem was very happy that the world came to that point in time. So let's see what was uh, overruled when the Mishkan came into being, and let's make it a Kalvachimer to overrule something here as well. So now we're going to look at a few aspects of the Mishkan and compare what happened there and what happened here. What happened was, number one, Gamora is going to go in more detail, but I'll tell it to you right now. There were 12 days of inauguration celebration of the Mishkan. And every day a Nasi brought a Korban. Well, 12 days in a row has to include a Shabbos. And this was a private Korban, so to speak. And it meant that the Korban that was brought to celebrate the inauguration overrode the laws of Shabbos. So we're going to see exactly what the Kalvachomer is. But we see for the, that inauguration, there was uh, you were allowed to override. So they saw precedence there. So this and there. So let's see what the Kalvachomer is. Uma Mishkan. Let's take a look at the Mishkan. Number one, how is that less than the Beis Hamikdash? She'en olam. The Mishkan did not have an everlasting sanctity, which means when it's holy, it means you're not allowed to bring sacrifices anywhere else. A bummer. People until this time could bring a private offering in their backyard. Once you had the Mishkan, private offerings were not allowed, but the Mishkan only lasted while they were in the desert. Once they entered, Bamos were allowed. Only until the base on Migdash was built. Again, were private altars permanently not prohibited. So the Mishkan, although it had a sanctity, its sanctity was not as great as the base on Migdash. Point one. And point two, 
the Korban Yochit and a private offering, that of the princes, was Docha Shabbos, pushed off Shabbos. That they sacrificed an animal, which is Shechita, that you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. It was a private offering. It pushed off Shabbos. And how terrible is the punishment of desecrating Shabbos? The Easter Skila, it has the worst punishment of all, which is stoning. So let's look what we had over here. The Mishkan, relative to the Beis Hamikdash, has a lower sanctity. The desecration was done for a private individual, which is less powerful than a public. Hold on, let's just let, let, let we'll just wait. And it pushes off Shabbos, which is an incredibly terrible avera. Here's the Kalvachimer. Mikdash, now the Besa Mikdash. It has eternal sanctity. Since the Beis Amish was built until today, we cannot make a private altar. So that shows you how much more important the Beis Amish was. And what was going on? The Korban Sibor. And where the sacrifices were, they were communal sacrifices because the Torah says, the Navi says, Vechol Yisrael Imo, and all of Israel was with him. That all of Israel offered sacrifices at the dedication of the temple. We'll have to see what all that means. And Yom Kippur is less severe than Shabbos. The Yom Kippur, the Onish Kores. Kores is not as severe as a punishment as stoning. So if that's the case, local Shagain isn't it a certainty that their service should override Yom Kippur. Okay, so therefore... Now, so that's the Kalvachomer. Now, the question, however, arises, the Gemara above question, how Xavier Shava has the power to override a verse. Verse says you can't eat on Yom Kippur. Some of the Gemara here should ask how a Kalvachomer has the power to override the scriptural prohibition of eating on Yom Kippur. However, the two cases are not really comparable. There, the Gemara was unwilling to use the Xerah Shava for it would have completely uprooted the scriptural prohibition. It would never exist again, ever, rendering the verse meaningless. However, they knew that in the future, the prohibition of eating on Yippur would apply. In other words, only a one-off. We can use the Xerah Shava for one-off, but not to change the law permanently. They only wish to use the Kalvachemer to temporarily permit rejoicing on Yom Kippur that year. See, the Marshal explains why they could not derive this permit from the fact that the Tumid offerings and other communal sacrifices over the shops were. Okay, fine. Anyway, that was the Kalvachemer. Okay, there's still going to be a lot more to flesh out, but we'll take questions at this point. Yeah? I understand how they came to override the Yom Kippur, but how, in the first place, the Shabbos. Where did they get that from? To to override our Shabbos. There's no Kabbal Homer for that. How did they start? Where, where did they get that from? That well, Hashem told Hashem told them. It's what they did. I know what they did, but where did they? We, we so, tried to so figure Moshe, out. Moshe got, Moshe, got so Hashem, got Moshe got it with Hashem. Moshe got it with Hashem. Whatever Moshe did was with Hashem's approval. As Gemara is going to prove. More is going to prove we have a lot. This is just the core. We have to unpack a lot of this. 
Gemara wants to, is going to ask, how do we know they were Mechal Shabbos at all? So we're going to see. Well, that's what it says. I understand. So we'll see. We, we still have to get to there. But you see that the, uh, that the, that the, they did do it. I know okay. they did it. So if they did it, it was, it was based on Hashem saying, go do okay, it. And, and why? Because the base Hamid, the Mishkan, that represents more than anything else in reality. You have to remember what we're talking about. We're talking about a Mishkan. It's not just uh, building a condo. You're, bringing a house, you're building a house of God. And in that reality, you're transcending. You are transcending a lot of realities that exist um, outside of the Mishkan. This is inside. Remember, in the Mishkan, the laws of uh, of uh, physics were stood on their head. Yeah. It was another reality. So when you're in a place with another reality, certain prohibitions just don't apply in such a place. Okay, there's a reason. There's a reason why we keep the Shabbos. I wonder, are we going to keep Shabbos and Olam Haba? No, because no. it won't be applicable. No. Right. We won't be able to work. Just it's just not, you're in a different dimension of reality. And that's, you know, just, the Torah was given for life in a real world. But when you're not in a real world, the Torah doesn't apply in certain areas. It's just not pragmatic. It's not realistic. When you're in a Mishkan world, and only in the Mishkan, and only in the dedication of the Mishkan, the joy of Hashem and the closeness of the Jewish people was so strong, though in the observance of that festival, there's no need to prohibit anything. Remember, why do we keep the Shabbos? Why do we keep the Shabbos? Well, God created the world, eh? Well, guess what? The Mishkan is the new created world. And we're celebrating that creation of the world. And therefore, that doesn't apply to say that a Shabbos prohibition in the context of celebrating this Mishkan, the Yisr does not apply. And that's what Hashem was telling them. The how can we do that with the Beis Amigdash when you don't have the same uh, connect, direct relationship as Moshe had with Hashem? So, therefore, they have to look at precedent. And therefore, by basing on precedent, they made that halacha. Well, we said that... Uh temple was more important yeah. than the Mishkan. Oh, so that so, was the Kalvachomer. Right, so why that's what, that's why I don't want to talk about the Mishkan. We allow that to happen, the Shabbos, while... Because the Mishkan was very... Well, for the temple, we need a Kalvachomer. Yes, because one, one, once the Mishkan... this is more important than the Mishkan. But, but even the less important, Hashem said, you can go ahead and do it. Why didn't we rely on Hashem to tell us to do what about the... Be because we don't have... It's not the same. When you have Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem is piping into Moshe every single instruction. Hashem gives Moshe every instruction what to do in terms of building the Mishkan, celebrating the Mishkan. Everything came from Hashem. It's nothing to discuss. Hashem makes the rules. When we had this sec the temple... Hashem is not piping in direct instructions to anybody. And now we have to use the formula of Torah and Halacha to deduce what to do. Once Hashem has already said about the Mishkan that we can violate the Shabbos, 
the rabbis were able to deduce that the same thing will apply to the base of Yeah? I got a few, but anyway. Um, <laughs> first of all, when the, the Nazis they brought the Corbin, it was a communal Corbin, it was for their whole tribe. It wasn't just a private one, right? No, no, it was a private one. Just for him? Yep. For yep. Wasn't on yep. behalf of It was a private one. It was a private one. Okay. Because remember, they, they didn't they didn't take part in the donations of the Mishka, so they felt bad. So uh, they, this time they wanted to make sure they weren't behind on this. They said, "Okay, what can we do privately to be part of this inauguration ceremony?" Okay. It had the status of a korban yachid. All right. So the next question was: We did this call Homer about Yom Kippur being less stringent than Shabbos because of Karis. Is not as severe penalty as Yom Kippur is, Yom Kippur. yes. Right. But we say Yom Kippur is Shabbat Shabbaton. It's okay, but still. So the, if it's mm, but Shabbat the, Shabbaton, how can it? On it one does. hand, it's Shabbat Shabbaton, on the other hand, it's less stringent. doesn't make any sense. Right. Okay, so you have a kasha and the mitzvah. It's not a kasha and this Gemara. It's not a kasha and this. It's not a kasha and It's not a kasha and this Gemara. Sure, they're saying that the halacha is. The Torah says, the Torah says, it's called Shabbat Shabbaton, and the Torah says you get kares. Finished. So now you have questions on that? Go ahead, ask God why he did it that way. But the rabbis, when they're making halacha, they have to say, okay, when I'm dealing with a violation of Yom Kippur, a violation of Yom Kippur, and that's our issue here, to violate Yom Kippur, the violation of Yom Kippur is less, of a, is less sinful than violating the Shabbos. Because again, it's Yom Kippur is a different reality. It's a higher reality, but the offense is not as great. It's possible something could be very important, but the offense is not as great. And Shabbos has certain characteristics that the violation makes it worse. Okay, we'd have to have a longer Musr discussion to answer that question of yours, which I'm happy to. Uh, Spend a little research on to answer it for you, but that's that's what Hashem said. We can't can't. You can have a question on it, okay? So we'll have to answer it. You're, you're saying it should have a bigger punishment if it's Shabbat Shalom. Fine, but Lamaisa Bezin works with what the laws on the books are. The, the, God said it's only kares. We're talking about violating Yom Kippur. Well, you said kares is worse than any other punishment. It's not. Any. It's not when in, in the human world. Not in the human world. In the human world, let's put it this way. Kares, you could do chuvan. Yeah? Once you're stoned, it's too late. There's no chuvan. Right? So in other words, if you certain sins, it's it's terrible because you're gonna get killed. You're not gonna live anymore. Whatever chuva you do, you do, but that's it. Kares, you could dodge the bullet. You could do chuva, and then the kares is gone. Right now, if you don't, well, then that, 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 so which is worse in this world? Stoning. Stoning is worse in this world because it does doesn't afford you the tshuva that kares affords you. So what's worse? Yeah, if you get kares and don't do tshuva, but let's look at the crime and the punishment, the direct punishment of the crime, direct punishment of the crime. Imagine two criminals. One gets executed, the one has um, uh, 
will 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 uh, will get cor- will, will get executed. But if he does tshuva, he won't get executed. So which is the worst crime? If one says can't do tshuva, sorry, it's too late. You're gonna die. You can do whatever tshuva you can the next uh, six hours, but that's it. And you're not living anymore, and you can't do any more mitzvahs anymore. Karis means you can live. If you do tshuva, you can live a long time, and and the karis goes away. So the avira is not as significant. So you're asking, so why is that for Yom Kippur? Okay, I guess that's all in the spirit of atonement. In other words, in the spirit of atonement, even if a guy sins, but you need a better answer, and it means a much deeper analysis. Go ahead. It almost seems ironic that we learned the laws of Shabbos and Malachim from the building of the Mikdash, and now we're saying that for the celebration of the, 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 the Mishkan, I mean, and then the celebration of the Mishkan or the Beit Mikdash, we're violating the laws of Shabbos. Well, for young that's where we learned the laws from building. Okay, so it's two different things. It's a good question, but it's a good question, but it's a good question, there's a good answer to it. The good answer is, that's the preparation to build a Mishka. There's the preparation, and then there's the actual Mishka. So to prepare and build a Mishka, you can't desecrate the Shabbos to build it. Building it, you're not allowed to desecrate, because you're not there yet. Okay, as important as the Mishkan is, that's why the Torah went out of its way to say, the Mishkan's the most important thing you're ever going to build in your lifetime, but you can't desecrate Shabbos to get to the Mishkan. Because it's not there yet. That reality is not yet there. I'm cutting wood. Very nice. You're shearing sheep. Very nice. Is the presence of God there yet? No. So it's not there yet, then Shabbos is what's there and you cannot desecrate the Shabbos. And that's how we learned the Malachas. But now that you have the Mishkan and we're going to celebrate that divine presence that is in this world, and now you're living in the reality of Mishkan, so for that day, and really, in many ways, Shabbos is suspended. Because the Korbanos, we bring Korbanos every day, including Shabbos and Yontif, and you see the Malachas of Shabbos are turned on their head. But only when you have the mikdash, when you have the mishkan and the divine presence is there in that uh, reality, certain laws of Shabbos do not take effect because it's for the service in the mikdash, but only for the tzibur and not for individuals. So only the people that were actually in there could eat and celebrate? Like if someone lived in Svat? Young Kippur? Yeah. Someone lives in Spot. No, no. Okay, let, let's. We're going to get to it. We, there's much more. The Gemara is going to get much more. We have to get more into exactly what was the eating, what were they eating, what was going on. We have to understand. The Gemara still has to analyze that part. So it's, we're getting to that. Okay. So very good. So now what do we have? The rabbi said, "Listen, we rule. You can enjoy yourselves on Yom Kippur. We made a kavachan." So now the Gemara has a flip question. Ella, if that's the case, am I how you dog him? So why were the people worried? Okay, why? Once we concluded that the rabbis made a kalvachomer, that you're not obliged to observe Yom Kippur that year, so why were they worried? <laughs> why were they worried? The rabbis said it's okay. 
So you want to say just Jewish guilt? You know, I never, I, ne- I always fasted. Same idea. A person gets really old, really old, and infirm. And the and the and the rabbi says, you know, you're not allowed to fast this year on Yom Kippur. The guy says, I've been fasting all my life, and I'm going to fast even if I die. I'm going to fast, right? You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to. It's not fair. But that's the way Jews are. So you could say, well, the Jews, we fasted our whole life. You think I'm going to break the fast? No, no. But that that that's not why they were worried. So Gemara says, well, the reason why they were afraid. Uh, there was room to question the Kalvachemer. Is Hossam over there by the tabernacle? Tsarach Gavoha. We can say the reason why the sacrifices overrode the Shabbos, because where was the destination of that Korban? When the Nasi brought that Korban, who got the benefit of the Korban? God. It was a gift to God. It wasn't a gift to the. The, the Nasi did not eat the food. It was an Ola. So did we benefit from that? Even though there's a desecration of Shabbos. But it was for God. It wasn't for me. So that means it went to God. I understand if it goes to God. And we're not... When you're Mechal Shabbos, usually Mechal Shabbos for your benefit. Here, listen, the whole temple is for God. And it's something that the individual is doing it, but it's for God. So I could understand that for God, that can desecrate. And this really touches on your question. But Hacha here, the fact that people are eating, who's benefiting from eating? Here it's the requirement of the common person eating and drinking. Perhaps that would not override. In other words, where the Kal Vachomer, the Kal, the Mishkan, what was the end result? Chilo Shabbos, but it's all for God. So if, yes, if you're telling us to bring korbanos to God on Yom Kippur, I would accept that. But here we're eating. So maybe the Kavachomer doesn't apply at all. So that was why they were concerned. Okay. So hachanami me'abed lebdo. But here too, by the dedication of the temple, let them rejoice. And this is part of the question. Let them rejoice for the dedication and offer korbanos, that I would allow a Kalvachimer to do. Let every Jew bring a korban to God. But not, but mechel no lechel, but not let them eat, velolishtu, and not drink. Okay? So, so they, so then, so, and, and more so, so if they were concerned that Kalvachimer was faulty, they could have refrained from eating and drinking. So that only and that only the needs of the temple would override Yom Kippur, not their personal requirements. Which the Gemara answers, Ain Simcha There's no joy without eating and drinking. Thus eating and drinking were an integral part of the dedication of the temple, and that overrode the Yom Kippur prohibitions. Okay? In other words, Part of the joy that Hashem wants us to have, you're right, this is personal, but you know what? Hashem wants us to be happy with this Besamekdash. And it's like, very simple example. It, it's your uh, your grandfather's uh, 100th birthday. Grandmother's better, better than mother. And now everybody's coming. And you are not eating. Your grandmother comes over and says, what's wrong with you? 
You're not happy that I'm 100 years old. I'm on a diet. You're on a diet. You're not on no diet today. It's my birthday. I have a piece of cake. You 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 would understand such a situation? Oh no, I'm 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 on a diet. Yes, I I don't want to enjoy your celebration. Hashem says, I want you to be happy with this base of mikdash, and your happiness makes me happy. And therefore, and it's and, and and you're eating korbanos and stuff like that off of my table. I want you to be happy with the base of mikdash. And if you're not happy with the base of mikdash, base of mikdash isn't worth anything. So the Jews were 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 that was a chiddush for them. What do you mean? I have to be very religious. I have to fast. No, no, no. It's my birth. It's a special day today. So special. I want you to be happy. You have to have simcha. Without a base of mikdash, no simcha is no base of mikdash. And the inauguration, it's such a simcha, it transcends everything. And we even have legal precedent. Ah, you're gonna ask a question, but this is a private thing? The point is, this private thing was for Hashem so special, it becomes Tzorach Kavoah. Just like if you give a korban to Hashem, well, that's a gift to Hashem. But if I'm eating, no, but Hashem wants you to be happy. And if He wants you to be happy, then that is Tzorach Kavoah. Even though that's the Chiddush in Yiddishkeit, that we enjoy this world, but it's meant to be for Hashem, and that's the whole message of the Beis Hamidosh. You think I just want you to bring korbanos all day long? I don't want that. I want you to be happy. I want you to be happy with this relationship with me. And there's no way a person's really happy if he's fasting. And I don't want you to be fasting. This is the one Yom Kippur. Never again. Never again is it going to happen. But just like when a person is sick, he has to eat on Yom Kippur, because that's what Hashem wants. So when the temple was inaugurated, Hashem wants, I want you to be happy. Not one day of fasting. And therefore, eating becomes Tzorach Gavoha. So now we've come to that. So we understood the back and forth. To say, yeah, I understand, rabbis. You tell me this Kavacharm, this and that, but still no, we could have a question on the Kavacharm. So no, 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 you didn't understand that enjoying it is Tzorach Gavoha. That's the back and forth. Which now leads us to tomorrow's topic, which is... How do we act? How did the rabbis actually know that Shabbos did push, was pushed off by the Mishkan? Where did they see in the text of the Torah that it told us this? Maybe not. And that is the next logical step. We made a Kalvachimer from the Mishkan. So the question is, well, let's go into the Mishkan and see exactly how do we know that? We know there's Midrashim that tell us about this. But where do you see in the text specifically? Maybe it's not such a proof. That's going to be the discussion for tomorrow. All right. Excellente.